welcome to series two of the Learning and Development Challenges podcast. Once again, Adam here as your guide. In this series, we're looking at how to better engage frontline or deskless workers with learning. And today we're talking with James Hampton, head of employee experience at St. Austell Brewery. James has been supporting people's organizational performance in the military, further education, retail, hospitality, and production for the past 23 years. During this time, he has used his experience to challenge the status quo of traditional people experience approaches. James is passionate about the promotion of more regenerative approaches that use business to make real differences in people, their communities, and the planet. Cultivating a learning climate enriched by inclusion and conscious leadership is essential to James's approach. James, you sound like the perfect person to talk to for this series, so welcome to the podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you here. Hello, Adam. Thank you for having me. So let's just let's start at the beginning with a bit of context. It would be great. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the listeners here are maybe familiar with St. Austell Brewery and some of your products, but it'd be great to know a little bit of background uh, about the business, your responsibilities, and yeah, just that bit of context. You know, where do you sit within the company as well? Yeah, so the, the term brewery is probably a bit misleading because we, we do way more than that. So yeah, clearly we make beer, the probably most well-known beers are Tribute, Proper Job and Corev. Sort of top three most famous ones that we distribute around the UK and, uh, and internationally. But also, we have a wholesale and distribution part of the business that's across the whole Southwest. So, we distribute quite independent customers as well. So, not just our own pubs. We have a tenancy side of our business. So, the managed side of our pubs is 41 pubs in total that we manage and we look after. And then another further 138 that are tenanted, so run by independent businesses, but uh, that that we own and we, we lease out to those business owners. And then, you know, obviously the production side of things in two locations, both here in St. Austell in Cornwall and uh, Hare Brewery in between Bath and Bristol for the Bath Ales sort of side of our business. I didn't realise you own Bath Ales. Gem is one of my favourites if we're talking beers. I'm a big, big fan of the Bath Ales as, as well as obviously the St. Austell beers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we have to that part too. So yeah, and then in my in terms of my role, so I've been here for just over 18 months. I'm head of employee experience and I suppose what that means is that I look after the full employee life cycle. So I look at everything from attraction and recruitment to talent development, talent progression and succession performance sort of side of things with our employees as well, all the way through to learning and development, putting, you know, supporting those teams, both out in the field, but also our production teams, our wholesale and distribution teams and sales teams too, as well as then the, I suppose, exits and well-being and inclusion around the business. Uh, and I have a heavy role, as kind of you alluded to, around our regenerative and sustainability activity that we do to you know, further improve our work with being a production business. Yeah using heavy water to make our beer and how important it to give something back to the planet. So yeah, so yeah, heavily involved in it. Wow, that is a really that is a really broad role to be honest with you. So so from all the way to the beginning of the employee life cycle, you said from recruitment through to the actual environmental impact of the business as well. So yeah, fascinating. And well, let's dig into a bit more of that because I think there'll be tons of interesting things to talk about. So first question on the topic that we're talking about today is around your current approach to frontline and and, and deskless staff. And I guess this is less the people in the back office in the kind of you know functions and support area but more your people in the pubs the drivers you know that that big kind of network of people you have that maybe aren't at a desk all the time or maybe customer facing obviously you probably do loads you don't talk us through everything but what are some of the main kind of initiatives that you have in place there 
Yeah, I think it's probably fair to go through a bit of context. So pre-me joining, the way that our managed pubs and our distribution centres were handled, they were quite independent. So certainly our, our managed pubs weren't as managed as you'd probably expect. So they weren't kind of like any sort of a franchise or chain that you, you've noticed in the hospitality world. Actually, our managers and our general managers and our pubs have free reign to do pretty much whatever they wanted. And that kind of included training. So they were independent from that sort of things. And uh, as I joined, we centralised a lot of that. So there was some formal training. There was that We had an academy that supported mainly our tenancies pre-COVID. That was all disbanded. So when I joined, it was about what do we offer and how do we build our managed estate and also continue to support our tenants. So what we currently offer, and it's fairly new, is we've just implemented some digital learning. We've just implemented a digital platform, and that's literally live in the last few months. And that was because we had no field-based trainers. We didn't have anything out there. We were relying heavily on the individuals in those pubs and those locations to deliver their own training, which I suppose in the end is kind of the end goal, actually, to get there, but they'd have no support or any direction. So we've just implemented a platform that's mainly based around social learning. So I'm very proactive about the knowledge is already out there. And that's recognising that we've got some very experienced, talented individuals already in our pubs and in our, wherever they are, at your distribution centres too. How do we help them to socialise learning so that it becomes more experiential, but also there's a cross-pollination of knowledge. So it's about knowledge share rather than it, one pub being excellent at everything and excelling and they, they're the best at guest experience they you know they manage to convert more customers and all those sort of things how do we make sure that knowledge is cascaded across the estate for the managed pubs and then similarly our wholesale and distribution and our breweries are quite dispersed so our two breweries at either ends of the sort of southwest of the uk and then our distribution centers are dotted around you know, different locations and quite isolated in those locations so helping them share knowledge is as important as us you know, pushing learning at them based on what we think they need. So it's trying to find a way that that's complementary. And actually, we're just recruiting a field-based learning and development facilitator to support that digital infrastructure. So we recognise that because of the types of work that we do, there's a hell of a lot of practical application and experiential learning that needs to take place. So you do need to do some face-to-face. You do, do need to do some supportive with those teams. So it's trying to find a bit of a blend where we can push things out in an agile manner through a learning platform, but also encourage people to upload their own, create it, make it social, make it fun, make it interesting, as well as supporting some of the mandatory kind of compliance type work uh, that needs to be done to support those people to, yes, be compliant with legislation, but also move some of those things on. Yeah. So yeah, that real, that sharing of best practice, like you say, how do you quickly bottle up the great work that areas of the business are doing and make that available to everybody else and quickly distribute that knowledge? And you've gone for a digital solution to support that. Yeah. And practically does that, what does the digital solution support? Are we talking staff able to make little videos, like record themselves, share text, share documents? What's the kind of layout at the moment or what are they actually doing with it? Yeah, all of that. We've taken the principle of giving them full autonomy. Oh, cool, the just so have it. Pretty much record videos, upload pictures, create blogs, create little articles if they want to, ask questions. And the questions is quite important because certainly as a central team, you receive quite a lot of questions from lots of different people. And what our platform allows us to do is you surface those questions and have the answers in the search function. 
which is really nice because it allows those questions to be sourced and found really quickly, but also the person that's asked the questions also there. So you, you get to make contact with that individual if, if you need to ask any further questions. So yeah, and the answers are there by the individual too. So you can contact the person that asked the question. Yeah, that's really interesting because I'm really big at the moment on this concept of network and building out, especially when you've got quite an operation that is reasonably siloed just by the nature of having lots of different buildings basically with different people work you know they'll, they'll probably know the you'll get to know the people maybe in your area maybe some of the other managers nearby and they might give you hints and tips and share best practice now and again but a way of kind of networking tapping into the knowledge base across a wider quite distributed set of people is yeah is really interesting and i bet in terms of just cost saving for your team you know if you're having to not answer those questions and i imagine a lot of the questions you get are the same just from lots of different places but if you can just put a really good answer together or source a great answer internally and you surface that then people are going to get the answers to their questions a lot quicker yeah the real gem is when your wider team network answers those questions for you so the answers are out there it's just you know we do it. people will naturally migrate to i've got to ask your head office for that the answer to that question but actually the reality is that there's probably about 10 or 15 people that have experienced it before we have and have a better idea of how to deal with that operationally so they can answer the question and when they do answer the question it's much quicker to solve people's problems yeah it's that kind of getting away from the font of knowledge sits at head office which isn't true yeah you're removing yourself as the source aren't you and creating the letting the network kind of take care of it which is which is brilliant how's it going so far the rollout obviously it's new technology and the field-based alan person i imagine part of their role is helping upskill managers and how to use it how to get the most out of it all that kind of stuff so what's yeah how's the rollout one so far if you don't mind me asking yeah it's going really well i mean the field-based lnd facilitator is not even in post yet so that's still on coming so, so so i suppose we'll see how that rolls out but yeah absolutely part of their role is finding that blended approach and how they can push content out to people that's going to be adding value and then backing that up with face-to-face -face. we've got about an 86 percent adoption rate so far wow. across the platform you know clearly there's areas where we need to engage with more and we need to help. I think one of the biggest challenges for us is people not having you know, the workplace email addresses. So how do we get them to adopt the app and, and utilize it through their own email addresses? If people were comfortable with us using their personal email addresses and those people that have decided not to be part of it, decided not to be part of it, but it's probably four or five people probably across the business. And also we still have people in our business that don't have technology. They don't have a phone that's a smartphone and they have a, a you know a standard phone some of them don't actually have phones or if they have a phone they haven't set it up themselves they've got a partner or a friend that set it up for them so there's, a, there's this assumption that we're in 2023 and the digital technology is fully consumable but actually what we've experienced is that's not necessarily the case so we do need to have platforms or tablets or you know places where people can access the learning platform in the workplace rather than assuming that they're going to use their their phone to do it because it's, it's not that cool you've skipped to one of my later questions but i really appreciate it because it, that's actually the next thing it's so difficult to like you say ask people to use their own devices in some in some situations and in others like you say they just don't have maybe don't have access but you've effectively taken a bit of a hybrid model here in that you've said if you want to use your phone and you're comfortable with us having your email address you know so they get an app they can access everything via that if not then you put some alternatives in place which might be a screen in the pub or in the location that they can use a tablet 
laptop, etc. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the key is also we've combined it with the communication. So it has a communications part to it. So essentially all of our policies, all of our procedures, all of our people content then is also next to communications. So it's one place to go rather than a number of places to go and find things. But, and, and that's for me really important from a learning point of view because I suppose what we're trying to recognize is that communications is as much learning as, as learning as development. And as you know, I'm you know, bread and butter on a D. So you know, I'd love to think that everyone comes to my training and they learn all this training and then you know that's the place to do it. But the reality is that's not the case actually. We do it through our own investigation and our own searching. So having policies next to learning or procedures next to videos that will help people do the behavioral change that we want to see is really important. And they have to have a platform to be able to do that. They have to have a way of accessing the content. Otherwise, it's a total waste of money and investment from our side of things. So we have to help people get there. We can't just assume that they're going to go there because as much as I'm in there every day, most people probably only pop in once a month and they want to find something. And that's fine. Yeah. But it's not getting upset. The so you're basically asking people to like form or change a habit. So, you know, where they would have, I don't know, asked somebody before or asked the manager would have then asked HQ or whatever. You're now saying, right, you can actually go find that information out yourself. This is how you do it, enable it. But you need to continually, I guess, remind people that it's there because they've got loads of other stuff going on. Busy summer afternoon that we've just had. They're not thinking about their Allen or their policies. They're thinking about, right, how am I going to get all these drinks over the bar and, you know, all, all the rest of it, get this pub tidied up and shut down before 1am. I know I certainly felt like that working in the hospitality industry. So yeah, what do those comms look like out of interest? How are you kind of, are you doing anything? Like have you put posters up? Is there anything physical or is it just training up? the training at the managers to then distribute information how's the what's the communication rollout look like for that yeah so you know, absolutely every mechanism we can find really posters with qr codes but we've engaged with every department so we've been out to every team promoted the platform with them and engaged with them that way but, and that that's taken us a long time six months worth of implementation but that means that we've looked them in the eye we've listened to their issues we've kind of understood what's going on it means we've been able to troubleshoot should the access problems come up, we've been able to troubleshoot it there. But I suppose long-term, it's a, for, from a traditional business like ours, we're so heavily used to using emails to communicate with our people, but it probably 80% of the business don't have access to those emails. So it's changing our central mindset to adopt you know, the utilization of our platform to communicate to the business as a first port of call and then email secondary. And, and that's the, the shift that's been probably it continues to be a, a little bit more long-term because the natural need of the business is to email everybody and, you know, and send a PDF. So getting them to record a video of themselves is, is quite challenging, I think, and, and different for them. But yeah, we've rolled out, we've got posters, we've got QR codes for people to adopt the platform, but it's about going out and asking them questions. You know, are they using it? You know, that Our job now is to help them adopt it, help them use it, help them find ways to utilize the platform. And equally key stakeholders you know, our procurement team, if they're asking us to change ways of doing something, asking them to put that onto the platform and then giving them autonomy to you know, promote videos that they would like people to change behaviours as part of it too. So we need to help people. I don't like particularly the word champion, but you know, we do need, need them to them. champion. You need them, yeah, yeah. To, to do it. So yeah, we can't do it by ourselves. No, you need your ambassadors, you need your kind of first movers, if you like, the people that will grab hold of it and just 
start recording videos and other people will see the benefits, do something helpful and record a video themselves. And that's how it kind of, yeah, that's how it snowballs, I guess. Is, I love that utilizing your traditional method to get your digital method working, which is basically a roadshow is what you're talking about there. Going from location to location, making sure everyone's comfortable with it, explaining what it is, answering questions. Yeah. So that's really good. And I'm a massive fan of QR codes as well. I think they're completely underutilized in this world. And yeah, that again, bringing that physical to the digital QR code. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea as well. Brill, thanks for that. Sorry. That was only like the first question. We went quite deep on that, but that was super interesting. I was going to ask about your split between in-person and digital. We've talked quite a bit about the, the digital you mentioned just quite a traditional business still is a lot of the training still on the job incidental and what you know what is digital and what isn't digital it's been a really interesting kind of year or so really reviewing this and what needs to be in person and what can be delivered digitally and i think we are a traditional business and we have tried to do as much as we can physical so especially in inductions that the one that everyone tends to struggle with it's certainly from a seasonal workers perspective that's only really with us for three to four months and then they go back to uni or they go off and do whatever they're doing how do you get them up to a level of competency then i suppose you know that standard that they can give a great guest experience in a really short space of time and then keep coming back to, to do that and, and provide you know a great experience for our guests and We've in the past had booklets. We've delivered kind of like summer schools, if you like, gone out and presented the basics to those people. But what we've found, or certainly we found in the last year, is that at the moment, our general managers and our kind of make core teams at our pubs don't have yet the time to be able to deliver what we want them to and what they would want to do for themselves. So what we expect to have is for those seasonal workers in particular, probably much heavier digital. Awesome. We will push out some learning to that group of people as they arrive, a sort of some pre-boarding learning, if you like, before they get here. And it's hopefully interesting and fun and something that people want to watch and they're not, yeah, it's not mandatory learning that click next. And I'm passionately against that kind of passive learning that doesn't really change very much. It's important to compliance. We need to make sure that people have, have done it and we've presented it. But I think if we're honest, it doesn't change anyone's behavior as such. But some digital learning that people can gain some knowledge, but it's reinforced then physically in the workplace. So helping those GMs as general managers and you know, the key kind of training needs in those pubs in particular, or even in our distribution centers, to know what that content looks like, how it work with us to build it. And then when that person's in the workplace, providing pathways that have sort of exercises that demonstrate that person's learning. So utilizing the digital as a knowledge share, really, so that people can be interested in what we're doing, certainly with product knowledge, having to know the beers, you know, how alcoholic they are, you know, what they'd be complementing from a food point of view, and then making sure that there's a mechanism that's physical that can either be LD facilitator checking it or a general manager or or a key individual within that location that can assess that person knows it. So pouring a pint, yeah. I think you know, all of us have maybe experienced that at certain points. Maybe if you've ever worked in a pub or you've ever tried to pour one out of the bowl, there's a certain way where you get you know, a good pint. And we're particular about that, especially with some of our car scales, because there is a, you know, because of a right and a wrong way of doing it. So I can watch that on a screen digitally and I can see someone doing it, I can hear that voice, but I don't really get to do it until I feel it. I've got to feel what that's like, you know, and you've got to be able to experience it. And I need someone to give me some feedback. And then there's some real 
physical feedback in terms of the color, what it looks like, the size of the head, but I need someone to kind of give me some feedback on how I've done it and whether there's a different way or technique that I can get a, a better pint at the end of the day is where you put your hand on the pint is just one small thing that you know you can make a difference in terms of the guest experience that they're getting. So it's things like that you need to experience. So I suppose trying to find a way that they're complementary, but also getting that individual feedback they need to know whether they've, they've completed. I always use the, the bike analogy of learning to ride a bike. I don't get better at riding a bike until I've fallen off. So, uh, but I got to get back on the bike to, to ride it again and fall off more times. So the poor of the pipe's the same. We've got to pour a bad pipe yeah. before I know what's a good pipe. So you've got to be able to be in it to know whether we get it right. Brilliant. I love the principle of what you're trying to do there, which is basically take a lot of the, as much of the heavy lifting as possible away from the GMs, away from the staff that are already there. Because let's be honest, beginning of a busy season, which I imagine in the Southwest is, you know, the summer everybody all the uni students come back from uni they're in cornwall or they're in devon or whatever and they're getting jobs and they need to quickly be ramped up and i imagine in some cases you know you're doubling or tripling staff numbers at some locations because it's such a seasonal kind of part of the world and so as much stuff as you can take off the plate of those gms is brilliant and that's a really smart way to kind of leverage digital but like you say you've got to make sure there's that physical bit afterwards because otherwise People can't just watch a video of pouring a pint, can they? <laughs> no, but it, the, the biggest you know, sort of measure is guest experience. We, we get guest feedback on TripAdvisor and Google and, and various other locations. And our locations and our pubs get scored. So we are able to kind of see whether that's dropping down during the season or whether it ramps up. Or, and effectively, obviously, what we're, we're looking to do, and you know, we're still right at the start of that. So for next season, we'll be looking at, is that learning actually changing anything from the guest experience's point of view? And are we improving that guest rating throughout that seasonal period rather than it dropping down? Which, you know, when you've got mass and you've got busy pubs and you've maybe got less competent employees, and that's something against them, it's just where they are from a seasonal point of view, you do get a reduced guest experience. And what we want to do is improve that guest experience during that period because that's where it's most important. It's where obviously we drive the most revenue. Yeah, brilliant. Do you use anything like Net Promoter Score or any of those kind of scoring systems or is it? TripAdvisor and other kind of review sites that you mentioned that are mostly the well, for you? Yeah, so we use a platform called reputation.com, okay. which is a, basically pulls the scores from all of those forums. So Facebook, Brilliant. Google, from TripAdvisor, Booking.com, all of those locations will go into one central platform and they get score out of my files. Cool, so you track them. Oh, wow, that's really cool. I didn't realize a platform like that existed. There you go. That's one yeah, thing yeah, I've learned amazing. <laughs> Well, one of the things yeah. I've learned today. Brilliant. Okay, very cool. So... A nice mix of in-person in and digital still, pushing more things towards digital where possible, which is amazing. And then in terms of measurement, we're using things like that, the reputation.com. Any other forms of measurement that you're looking at when you're looking at the kind of what's working and what isn't in learning? Are there certain things that you keep track of? ROI, basically. Is, I love this question because it's always one of the most difficult ones to answer in learning, especially if you're teaching like I, I don't know, soft skills, like communication or, you know, things like that. Some of the less tangible skills that obviously most businesses rely quite heavily on. But yeah, ha are there any other ways that you are? Well, I guess what A, what's working is the question and B, how do you track that things are working? So, I mean, I'd love to say that learning development drives more revenue and, and that's always been the dream of does. being able to go, <laughs> I've done that, we've made loads of money. I think it's always a bit of a correlation rather than a, a causality in terms of measurement. But 
we definitely are beginning to see when, and I suppose from the other part of my work is around employee engagement, right? So learning development is a big part of helping people wanting to be part of something because they feel like they're growing with a business that's growing, then they're more likely to stay, they're more likely to kind of be intrinsically motivated to do more and, you know, feel proud of their work. And then obviously, well, so it kind of, there's this mix of looking at everything that I look after and how does learning development play a part? So yes, guest experience, we are beginning to see that if someone is getting a great onboarding experience, they're learning their craft quickly, they're more likely to be engaged in what they do. And then obviously that it does lead into some you know, improved guest experience. Other things, were, you know, we're a high turnover business or ro- high rotational business yeah. because of that seasonality. Yeah. But also we, we're looking at outside of those seasonality workers and seeing what the rotation is there. Are we keeping hold of really good employees? And I think that's a challenge for hospitality and has been post-COVID for a really long time. I've tried to help people stay in the industry because the sector has had a bit of a, a damaging impact from COVID. It was probably going there before, but it's been accelerating. So it's about employee experience for me. If we can give them a, a great speed to competency, so I'd be measuring speed to competency, I'd want to know how quickly can we get someone to a level where they're feeling comfortable and confident with what they're delivering and that translates into a guest experience. And do they then stay with us? So if we bring a seasonal employee in, do we convert them into more regular permanent employees? And where does that progression then take them on to? What do they successfully move towards? And understanding that, I think we're right at the start of trying to measure that a little bit. Absence is another one we'll look at. You know, again, looking at kind of, you know, do people turn up to their shifts? Why do they turn up to the shifts? How long do you know, is there a sickness going on? Why is there sickness? What does that look like? Is it sickness or is it, you know, is it had too much to drink Friday night so that I can't come in for my Saturday morning shift? And it's those sort of things, just trying to understand that. But also, are we, as a business, creating any unnecessary stress on our employees? Are we giving them as much flexibility as we possibly can and looking at that as a dimension too to see whether that's having an impact on overall our guest experience and and then obviously then into revenue generation. So I suppose I wouldn't look at the normal learning development traditional measures. I'd look at business metrics first. I'd be looking at operational metrics, sort of being able to bring our speed to competency, I suppose is the one learning development measure I'd be looking at. I'd be looking at retention and turnover and looking at succession from the talent, but also from an attraction point of view, if we're becoming attractive, that hopefully the word is getting out that we are people focused and we care about our people and that this is a good place to work. And we, we're endeavoring to be one, you know, one of, if not the best employer in the Southwest. So that's a big thing to go after with the, the number of businesses that. Would you look at something like recruitment costs to measure that out of interest? Isn't in yeah, if it's coming absolutely. down, you're like, okay, we're getting more yeah. word of mouth referrals here. Yeah, if we're people hitting our career site on our website and then translating that into employment, then that's one of the greatest measures, isn't it? Because we're not having to spend money on attracting people. It's happening anyway. I think we're doing an okay job of that. Yeah, we could do. do, But again, yeah, word of mouth is that you're going to grow with St. Oswald Brewery. So therefore, it's a great place to start your career. And and then those are things that we're we're trying to improve. Brilliant. And speed to competency, I I like that measure as well. Is that, you know, you're asking managers for kind of scores, are they up to speed, all that kind of stuff to get those data points? What's the process for that? Yeah, Uh, again, so we're at a starting point for that. The ambition is to, it's measuring success and, and looking at what do we mean by competent and what and what does that look like so understanding what someone needs to be able to do in the first three months uh, if, if it's a permanent employee in particular it works better because the first 12 weeks of employment is usually where you're getting on the learning you're getting the opportunity and 
still a kind of formal sign off in most most businesses that the word probation is, is there. Yeah, so, yeah, as I say, in the probation period, yeah. <laughs> so I suppose what we're looking at is that 12 week period and looking at how what are the key things that people need to be able to do and then measuring against that. And that would be what we'll do. I've been a big fan of Whitney Johnson's S-Curves to Learning, okay, yeah. where she talks about you know, sort of having this level of competency and then there's this level of stretch. And then you kind of, you know, after a couple of years, you tend to kind of plateau out. And then if you don't do something to re-engage an S, another S-Curve, then you end up kind of getting a bit disengaged with your work or a bit upset or frustrated. And that's where disengagement starts to happen. So we're let, utilizing kind of her S curve in, in terms of looking at what's the time frame someone needs to be competent in their role. And then what's the activity that needs to take place to stretch them? Because then it's about that she will need to want to get better. It's the taking it from riding the bike to jumping it over jumps and you know, flying down the mountain bike trail. That's the kind of the next step up. How do you take that stretch and how do you help that person be intrinsically motivated to do that rather than forcing it upon them and telling them they need to be a better person at serving that customer? How do they help that person want to be a better person serving that customer? I think those are the differences of kind of how we try to push things upon people. But I'd much rather people want to do it because they're passionate and they get something bad from it rather than we're telling someone that they need to be better to keep their job. I just don't think that's a great yeah, ca- Yeah, carrot versus stick, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> great. So we've talked a bit about this, but just in terms of barriers to engaging some of the groups you're working with, obviously you've got transient nature of the workforce, the fact that they don't always have their devices, their own device for digital training. Anything else that, you know, the hurdles that you've come across since joining the business in the last, in the last couple of years that are interesting that are worth sharing with others to, to kind of help them avoid them? <laughs> the sector itself is, is quite a big barrier. So as I mentioned earlier, hospitality has become unfavorable. It's also become unfavorable in the education sector. So we've been noticing that our education sector is not promoting jobs in catering or hospitality. Unfortunately, in this country, in the UK, it's seen as a bit of a, a lower level job. And so that's one of the biggest barriers. I suppose what we've done to try and improve our front line is investing with our local colleges and sponsoring a early careers course so 14 to 16 year olds will be going through a course this year first year ever for us where we will sponsor that program for 12 young individuals to do a course at the college particularly here in St Austell and we hope that they will become our apprentices of future and and that and that is also another barrier to me so we have to change the image and so yeah what we're trying to do is rebuild our own talent pool locally promote that across the southwest as a, a viable employment route alongside all of our others you know both in you know, brewing there's only one brewing university in the country Nottingham. there is anywhere else you can do it so we have to you know, send our apprentices up there so it's looking at ways to look at creating our own front line rather than waiting for it to appear on our doorsteps the biggest barrier we have is recruiting people you know so to come and join us, it's in the long hours, it's hard work, it's not, you know, it's full on and it, it becomes difficult. So from a learning development point of view, we have to create a bank of aspirational, intrinsically motivated learners within our sector to then be able to do what we want to do digitally, the fancy stuff, the cool stuff with them out in the field. Because, yeah, it's, it's difficult otherwise to, to kind of get 
Yeah, first job, get them in though. <laughs> and that's the biggest barrier. Yeah. Which makes yeah, a lot yeah. of sense. Yeah, yeah no, I, I see what you mean about it. You know, I definitely, I guess without pointing to any specific data points, definitely feel that, yeah, hospitality is is seen as a, a more difficult industry to be in because of the antisocial hours. I say antisocial, they're not antisocial for some people, but if you've got a family or something like that, they are very antisocial because it's your evenings and your weekends and stuff. And yeah, it's there's definitely a load of stuff you're fighting against there there's a seasonality of it like you say you know whether it's summer season or you know some businesses ramp up around christmas massively and then acquire other times of the year as well so it's yes yeah, it's it is a tricky sector to certainly don't envy the recruitment the recruitment challenge that you have there but amazing to see that you're sort of investing locally to make that happen what's the college you're doing the the run the course with we should give them a shout out yeah so it's cornwall college group cornwall so college. yeah cornwall college that are helping us with that so it's, it's we believe we're the first in the set to sponsor a program directly to the, the college courses i think there's other college courses going on but at this kind at 14 to 16 we're the first to do brilliant it, so. so like a, a gcse equivalent alternative almost yeah yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but what we, I suppose what we we've tried to make sure that it's an aspirational course, yeah. and yes, we will support some of those young people that are not quite sure what their future is going to be, and, and you are looking for something else to, to help with the GCSEs. But we're changing the, the narrative of what working in a hospitality business means, and obviously, we're not just a hospitality business; we're a wholesale distribution and a, and a production business yeah. too. So. <laughs> There's loads of loads of opportunities outside of the hospital. Is it a hospitality learn a bit about all the kind of different areas course, or learn a bit about? I guess, or, you know, is brewing included as well? Is there a bit? Is there a module on that, or is it more the, sort of hospital? Yeah, there isn't, unfortunately, no. So it's, it's probably more traditional or catering. But I suppose that's the work we'll do with with the college is, is to try and widen it and kind of give it a, a broader generalist approach to our whole business, because then hopefully that creates just a bit of a pipeline of. Uh, engaging with T-levels and apprenticeships going forwards, which obviously is still work in progress. Yeah, brilliant. That's really exciting though. Very forward thinking. I love that. Love the concept of leveraging learning and development and qualifications in particular to help solve, which, you know, one of the biggest issues in the industry, frankly. I mean, I could be sat here talking to anybody within learning development or HR in the kind of hospitality sector and i'm pretty sure everyone would say recruitment's number one challenge for them because <laughs> yeah i have friends in the business and they will say the same thing it's like how do we a recruit and then b retain it's the two big kind of hurdles that um that, that have been around for years you know i think about back to all my hospitality jobs i was only the longest i was in one of them was two years maybe three years and just by the very nature of where I was at my life in that time, you're not always there for the long term. Um, so Yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, certainly sort of trying to use some of that circularity approach to this is recognizing that people won't stay with yeah. us forever. And that actually part of our job is to help set them up for their future careers. And if that's with a, a Michelin star restaurant, then that's part of our job. And so while we might attract and start building that talent pool for ourselves, it's also how do we share that talent pool with others, certainly in the Southwest and they're not direct competitors of ours. We aren't Michelin star pubs and, you know, that isn't what we, we are set up to be. But we could develop Michelin star chefs and help them move on to a future career, which keeps them in the sector. And hopefully they may come back to us and run a pub of their own and in a tendency, which obviously we would you know, massively encourage them to do. So there's, it's looking at the sector and stop. This is an element of trying to find some competitive advantage for ourselves. 
But part of that competitive advantage is about investing in the sector. Yeah. So how can we give the sector? Because if people don't come and work for us, then they're not going to work for anyone else either. And therefore, the hospitality starts to, to dwindle a little bit. And uh, we want to keep the hospitality sector you know, live and vibrant, and, you know, as innovative as it's always been. Uh, for others to be here to enjoy and have those great experiences and so we've got to play our part, play our part to that yeah a rising tide lifts all ships as they say yeah that that's it cool so we've we've talked about technology a bit and i really wanted to touch on the environmental stuff and i know we didn't kind of I didn't send over this as a question to prepare for so apologies for throwing this one in but i'd love to know more about learning and development's role here and all the employee kind of life cycle hr type thing role in the environmental impact and how you're using L&D to try and affect that in a positive way? Yeah, well, I think one of the kind of pivotal things for us in the last 12 months is a we've done a lot around environment, around our product, but I suppose using our people to, to promote more green ways of working yeah. is, is probably not something we've done. So one of the main changes at Els Lambrook, who's our head of regenerative and sustainability, is, is to change the narrative on not just being ESG, so your environmental, social, governments with our environment. It's actually looking at it through the lens of regenerative activity. So what that really means is that if we were to operate sustainably, then that means we're keeping what we've got the same. Um, and what we've recognised is that actually we've probably gone past that and we need to find a way to improve what we've got because there's already fires everywhere there's lots of flooding and lots of earthquakes and things that, that are natural disasters that are happening that we believe is because of, of the warming of the planet so our role from a learned event point of view is to support ways of working that are regenerative the sponsorship i just mentioned is part of that how do we refill our talent pool from a social point of view and connect with our communities give our communities a greater opportunity for work the southwest in particular, St. Austell, I think the third poorest borough in the whole of Europe. So we've got a, a task to do to encourage or provide more work to that to our local community and give them more prosperity, more opportunity. So that's a big part of it. So from a learning and talent point of view, there's a big part there. But also it's looking at how do we bring green into every role. So one of the things that we're beginning to look at is green skills and how do we embed those skills within every job description. So as we recruit for a new role, we look to bring a green responsibility within that job. It, it can be quite small, but it starts to elevate the importance of regenerative activity and, you know, and sustainable work to ensure that all of our employees take responsibility for that. Some of that's about education. Clearly, we, there's some development to do with, maybe with our executive to, to position that so that they become ambassadors of you know, the green kind of way of working. And uh, from a learning development point of view, means that we've got to support that education for them and key stakeholders in our business. So from our marketing team, them being the promoters of the you know, environmental management and environmental awareness, so that when they are talking about our product, they're talking about it. We're not greenwashing. We're, we're thinking about ways that we can communicate authentically and ensure that you know, we're, we're not you know, accidentally promoting something that we're not doing. So it's being authentic through there. We're looking at how do we upskill our your procurement team and our supply team so that when they're looking at challenging our suppliers, that they are thinking about you know, the, 
the provenance of where that product comes from. We are proud to, you know, to source all of our meat and our fish um, you know, locally. You know, it would be you know, crazy if we didn't do that living in the southwest with all of the, the fishing. Yeah, that's fishing it. Yeah, you don't want to bring bringing your so fish in from so, Estonia. Oh, not Estonia, but you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly, from yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's trying to find a way that we can help them to be conscious and mindful of the ways that they're doing that. Again, that's about learning and education about what's working, what isn't, how do we you know, 95% of what we use for our beer is water. So, you know, that, that's a huge part. How do we replenish that? How do we ensure that we keep that water source going? But also any, I suppose, beer that doesn't get used comes back to us. So we have a, a plant in our St. Ossel Brewery where that beer goes into, it gets eaten down by enzymes, it's reused for energy. So we remake the energy from that. So nothing goes to waste and nothing goes to landfill from our waste as well. It always goes back into re-energizing it for our local communities in the Southwest. So it's education and knowledge for new starters coming in, seeing that happening. And I think certainly there's a probably a, a certain generation that, that is becoming more conscious of that. And I'm not gonna, I don't like the generation game. So I said, you know, yes, there are there's some people, but there are very, across all of the generations, I think people are becoming more mindful of it. And so, yeah, how do we, help people know what we're doing and how we're doing it from an environment point of view to help them feel to translate that to our guests when they come join us or our customers that are buying our beer so that they understand where that's coming from and why we're doing it and um, encourages them to do the same too. So it's quite a big part actually and influence around kind of how we help our teams know more about what we're doing so they can share. Yeah. It. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, just that, you know, educating people from the very beginning of their journey, I think is so important and overlooked. And, but the top tip I took from there, actually, and you've done, you're doing so many brilliant things in this, but the top tip I put was including a green element in every job role. That's brilliant because people's expectations coming into the business is that this is part of their job role and they have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be able to fulfill what they've been employed for. And that's brilliant. And, you know, I think if every employer in the country, in the world or whatever had a green element to the job role that's a small change up front that can cascade down through the like the employee life cycle yes yeah, this whole butterfly effect isn't mm. it you know you, you kind of you gain a, a lot more momentum when it's just past your way of being and it you know i certainly wouldn't say we've done that yet we've we've still got quite a bit of work to do there but that is the, that's the ambition is to get as close to that as we possibly can yeah no throughout the business so people want yeah well it starts with the kind of the ambition and the kind of the drive to do it and it sounds like you you've made some amazing progress on you know nothing to land for all that kind of stuff is huge and i imagine was a big investment for the business to make it all happen and all the rest so that's that's awesome and people coming into the company will see that like it you know i would like it as a millennial i'm sure the gen z's would love it <laughs> just to use the, just to use the, yes. the generation game so yeah brilliant final question because i've taken up way too much of your time thank you so much for sharing so much this morning james what is your top tip for anyone going into learning and development with a large frontline workforce so if you could only recommend one thing what would it be be mindful of the human element so speak to people <laughs> ask questions understand the people that you're trying to land things with and yeah have them come with you because they will probably know way more than you do especially if they're certain about this business some people have been here for 40 years you know i'm not going to start telling them to how to do their jobs but i can help them and influence them to do maybe something new or different them if i work with them and understand their human needs that that's it's the human-centered design kind of factor is what i would say use that brilliant mindful of the human element love it 
Cool. James, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and to find out more about what you're working on at St. Hostel. Great. Thank you, everybody, for listening again to another episode of the Learning and Development Challenges podcast. We'll be back soon with, with more in series two. See you there. Bye.